I begin today by acknowledging the Kulin Nation people, traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today, and pay my respects to their elder past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today. Hi everyone! So today, three aspiring early childhood teachers will be discussing the topic of working with Australian families and communities in early childhood education services. I'm Yana. I'm Tatiana. And I'm Laura. In this podcast, we will talk about Bronfenbrenner's bioecological theory and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how they influence behavior, relationships, interactions, and context of children, family, and communities. We will also lay out the contemporary sociology of Australian families and what early childhood teachers can do while working with them. So, Yana, would you like to tell us more about Bronfenbrenner's theory? Sure. Yuri Bronfenbrenner was a psychologist that came up with the bioecological theory in 1979. We know that by research, children are a product of both their biological characteristics or their genes, as well as the environment in which they grow and learn. Bronfenbrenner focuses on children's environmental context and social conditions and how they serve as an influence on children's learning, behavior, and growth. Without acknowledging the different contexts that children live in, our understanding of their learning and development is limited. Oh, interesting. So what are the contexts that you are talking about? Well, Bronfenbrenner actually came up with five ecological forces from the immediate environment to social policies and culture that all influence child development. These layers begin from the child at the center and everything that makes them who they are. From there, we go to the more immediate context and then out to the bigger picture. The first layer is the microsystem, consisting of family, educators, caregivers, and peers that directly affect the child. The mesosystem is the second layer, and it's made up of the connections between individuals with a child's microsystem. For example, relationships between parents and teachers, or relationships between educators and the child's peers. The third layer is the exosystem, and this consists of the links between social settings that indirectly affect the child. This can include a parent's employment status and relationship with their boss or a parent's access to social services. The macrosystem is the larger social and cultural context, which consists culture, norms, or beliefs that have an influence on everything else. And lastly is the chronosystem, which refers to time and life events that occur during one's lifetime. Well, do you think that different contexts affect children's learning and development? Yes, definitely. Actually, different contexts such as a family's financial capabilities, their housing conditions, family structures, parental disabilities or mental illness or substance use, and even immigrant or refugee status has a direct effect on children's socio-emotional, physical, and cognitive development. For instance, children who grow up in a negative microsystem may find it hard to succeed. So in the microsystem, we have the home environment. For example, families experiencing financial hardship, the children can be impacted by parents' psychological distress. 
or parents who are going through divorce or marital issues are likely to expose children to domestic violence, abuse, or even neglect. Parents tend to be uninvolved and inconsistent and unresponsive in caregiving if they are battling a mental illness or suffering from an addiction. This means the home learning environment may not be stimulating nor safe. Children may feel a sense of rejection and isolation from others due to families' economic deprivation because they're unable to go on playdates with their friends or buy the nicest things or toys, um, and that can make them feel out of place. And some children who are experiencing extreme poverty may not even have access to early childhood education, and this could really hinder their development. Next, let's talk about the mesosystem, which is the links between the microsystems. An example can be the link between the home and the early childhood setting. So children who witness positive relationships between their educators and their parents are more likely to build trusting relationships with their teachers. But families who shy away and interact less with the early childhood educators may not have the opportunity to opportunity to receive advice on parenting practices that can make a huge difference in a child's development. The exosystem, on the other hand, is where a child is not directly involved but is still affected. So an example of this can be parents and the so their social support group. So those parents who receive more social support may experience less stress and improve parenting skills as compared to parents who don't receive the support. Another example would be parents and their work environment. So parents who are laid off from work or fired are likely to experience stress, and this can be brought into the home environment, which can affect the child's well-being. The macro system can be things like geographic location or ethnicity. So an example could be a family's immigrant status makes it more likely for them to be quote-unquote strangers or aliens to a richer society and be seen as disadvantaged regardless of their upbringing or their potential. The chronosystem is the last one. So this is about time or life events that happen in a child's life. Um, so an example could be a parent's divorce or a parent's remarriage, and this could expose the child to violence or to abuse, um, and this could affect a child's mental well-being and may lead to social isolation. Uh, oh, and another thing, COVID-19 was a huge event that affected the lives of everyone, but long lockdowns that happened actually affected young children's social and emotional development because of the lack of social interactions. Yeah, their attendance to early childhood services was disrupted, playgrounds were closed, and basically the opportunities for social interactions were limited. Thanks, Yana, for all the information. Now, what about the Maslow's theory? Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist who, as a humanist, created the hierarchy of needs, which describes the steps that an individual needs to meet in order to achieve self-actualization, meaning reaching their fullest potential. The steps are divided into five levels. First, physiological needs, that includes basic life needs, such as food, water, sleep. Uh, in the second level, we have essential psychological need for security and safety that involves being able to trust the environment and people around them. Um, in the case of children, educators and peers. In the third level, we have love and belonging that refers to the need 
to love and be loved and to feel connected to other people. In the next level, the fourth level, we have esteem needs. That means feeling of accomplishment. And the highest level, the fifth level, we have um, the self-actualization. Oh, yeah. I've heard about this theory, actually. But can you tell us further how this influences children, families, and their communities? Well, people are motivated to fulfill their needs. They will seek to meet their basic needs first before moving to a more advanced needs. We will see people looking for security and safety by finding a job, obtaining health insurance and health care, contributing money to a saving account, and moving to a safer neighborhood. When the physiological security and safety needs are met, then we can move into achieving growth needs, which is love and belonging and esteem needs and self-actualization. In that sense, the next level that we aim to achieve is love and belonging through friendships, romantic attachment, family relationship, community groups, among others. Furthermore, individuals desire to gain the respect and appreciation of others. After they have accomplished things, they want their efforts recognized to feel confident in their abilities. And finally, we can reach the last goal of the self-actualization when we feel like we are using our talents, capability and potentialities. Oh, that's very informative. I'm just wondering how this applies for children. When we talk about the hierarchy of needs influence on children, we see similarities. Children who are able to meet their basic needs will also seek to meet, the, meet higher levels of need, love, belonging, and self-worth. Children are also ready to learn when their basic needs are fulfilled. For instance, when children are able to engage in learning activities in the room, it indicates that they have fulfilled their basic needs of food, water, and safety. Therefore, they feel comfortable and confident to explore the environment, interact with others, and learn from it. Right, right. I did notice that at my workplace when parents drop off their children and they mention that they didn't get enough sleep, the, the child tends to be less engaged in learning experiences as well as social interactions. It's true. I think Maslow's hierarchy of needs Theory provides a guide for early childhood teachers, families, and communities to understand the, important, the importance of meeting children's needs, for them to be able to engage in learning and ultimately to achieve their full conscious awareness of themselves and their capabilities. Yes, you're right. That makes so much sense. Thank you, Tatiana. Moving on to the last topic of this podcast, we will be talking about the role of the early childhood teacher and working with Australian families and communities. Laura? Sure. So first we need to understand that there is no single definition of family. Families change in response to internal and external factors, things like recession, wars, immigration, technological developments, and changing cultural values can affect the size and nature of families, as well as internal things like birth of a child, living home as a young adult, forming relationships, Divorce, remarriage, the death of a family member can also change the family's composition and internal dynamic. The traditional family structure, husband, wife and children, is no longer a realistic view of this family. 
These days, the increase in divorce and remarriage has introduced households with step-parents, step-children, and step-siblings. The number of single parents has been rising as well, and more same-sex couples are deciding to have more children. There is also more diversity. According to the 2016 census, 49% of Australians have at least one parent born overseas. This means family bringing the culture and traditions to Australia. For example, it is more common to find extended family living with the nuclear family in migrant households. It is also important to mention that according to the 2022 Australian Institute of Family Studies, facts and figures, in 2021, two in five grandparents with grandchildren under the age of 13 years provided some childcare at least once a week, being more frequent if it's at younger children. Wow, that's pretty interesting. There are so many facts that I didn't know about. Yes, yes, it's something we never really thought about. Now, to answer your question about what will be our role as future early childhood teachers working with Australian families and communities, well, parents and teachers have the same goal, to have a positive impact in the lives of the children in the care. The importance of building collaborative partnerships with families is reflected in the NQS under the Quality Area 6. Research shows children are more likely to reach the full potentiality when the family and education and care service work together. In order to attend these, teachers need to build partnerships with families and also need to understand that it's a process that happens over time and it's different from family to family. According to the EYLF, the teacher's main role is to facilitate children's learning and recognize families as the first and most influential teachers for the children. We can say that a teacher's role when working with families and communities is to create a welcoming and culturally safe environment where children and families can feel respected, seen, and valued. By doing this, the teachers are encouraging families to engage to work collaboratively with teachers around curriculum decisions that will be meaningful for children and their families. So, to help all the teachers out there, these are some ideas to build partnership with families and communities. Your attitude, manner, and approach when you meet the families and the children, especially for the first time and every time after that. You need to find the best way to communicate with individual families and the type of information that is important for them. Some will prefer to have a short chat while picking up time, or some others will prefer to just see the posted photos or daily diary. Engage families through informal discussion and planned meetings to understand their expectation and develop shared goals for children's learning. It is important as it values each other's knowledge of the child as well as each other's roles in the child's life and the Spanish background and the cultural and linguistic differences, diverse needs, family structure, learn about and show respect for the background, cultural identity and strength of each family, learn about it and show respect for each of them. Engage in reflective practice and professional conversations with other educators as it will build your confidence and capacity to build partnerships with families. Occasionally reflect on how trust is established and maintained with families and if all the involved parties feel the same way about it. Lastly, the building of this partnership is not only your responsibility, but the service as well. This should be embedded in the service philosophy, policies, procedures, environment and curriculum. The service can also invite the families to participate in events at the setting. 
Thank you, Laura, for that. Those are all really useful tips that we can definitely use to build relationships with diverse families and communities and also involve them in children's learning and development. I think we all learned something new today, especially as aspiring ECTs. This information would definitely be applied to our professional practice. Once again, I'm Laura. I'm Yana. I'm Tatiana. Thank you for listening. Till next time.